Welcome back to another season of the Guy Live BDB Jam Session. You know, I am so excited to get into this season, man. And we have an amazing guest for our first episode of the new season. But before I get into our amazing guest and what we're going to be talking about today, I want to give a shout out to the Smoothication Experience crew, my friends, John and Rob, who created a big black tea playlist for us. Literally for our new tea brand, they created two, three playlists actually. One is called Too Much BBT. Check it out on Spotify. And this one that I'm playing this song from is called the Harmony Playlist, the Big Black Tea Harmony Blend Volume One Playlist. And this is Lovely Day by Bill Withers. They curated three playlists for us because they love our movement and the brand so much. And they're such wonderful creators. And I want to show them as much love as possible because they deserve it. I love this playlist. I love the playlist and I listen to them religiously now every other day. And I'm super, super thankful for them and grateful for everyone who's been supporting us since our launch last year. And welcome back to a new year, 2021. Off to a rocky start in the US, but hey, <laughs> it's been a rocky last four years. With that said, though, super excited about the people, I, the person I have on the podcast today. And if you are joining us for the first time or internationally, maybe from Canada, maybe from Uganda, maybe from Mexico, show some love. Shout out to my homie, Jesse. Loving the music, as always. Jesse, you know I got a good taste, man. Appreciate you, brother. Jesse's also like, fire, man. This is fire. Appreciate you, bud. Today's guest is none other than the man himself, Mr. Chris Reed. And if you haven't heard of Chris, you're going to be hearing a lot about him today and what he does. He is the CEO and founder of Stretch Creative, a remote-based content studio that partners with brands like Guide, Big Black Tea, to tell their unique story through copywriting and design. And he's big, I mean big, on storytelling. Their entire agency is big on storytelling as well, and they're completely remote. And he literally built Stretch to redefine how brands tell stories, whether through PDFs, whether through newsletters, through campaigns, through products, he lives for it. And we're going to dive deep on storytelling, his journey as a founder, 
and some of his thoughts on what the future of work is looking like, especially with him having his own remote-based content studio, which is super interesting. With that said, you know, let's go ahead and bring on Chris to the show today. Chris, what's up, homie? Tim, good seeing you, man. Thanks for having me. I didn't realize I was the uh, the first episode of the new season, man. That's a, that's oh, a man. real honor to be able to be that guy. Oh, dude. No, thank you for being that guy. Let's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you for being. I mean, you reached out on, on, on Facebook. I was like, oh, of course. Let's make it happen, man. You know, I yeah, love man. I, I love what you're doing. I, you know, you, uh, you're doing some amazing work, and it's just a real honor to be able to join you and kind of talk a little bit about how we're taking this new approach to this, this work world that we've kind of lived into. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how, what, what inspired you to found stretch creative, man, walk us through the, the journey for you. Have you always been a storyteller and a, a creative guy? Dude, I, my, my journey is a bit different. I'll tell you that. So, um, I won't go too long. I'll keep it short, but you know, I, I originally went to school for business and mm. my, my family's a family of bankers. So I went in as a stockbroker because that's what I figured. Wow. The rest of the family's a stockbroker. I'm going to go do that. And you know what I realized is I hated it, hated every second of it. So mm-hmm. uh, my next step was to do the most logical thing and was to join the military. Wow. And um, spent four years living on a submarine as a submariner, as a, an electrician, and soon found out that uh, I was not a blue collar guy. There's nothing wrong with blue collar and kind of the trades, but it wasn't my thing. So I actually f- kind of randomly fell into content. I ended up working for a content platform where um, I wasn't a writer. I was kind of on the biz dev and kind of really ran the operations of the site. And so we had freelance writers, we had clients, and I fell in love with working with creatives. That was the thing. Mm-hmm. I found that uh, writers um, are different. You know, if you think of like some trades or some professions, you kind of picture that person in your head of who they are. But when you work with a writer, there's such a diverse background of whether, uh, where they're from, their background, what they're passionate about. And I, I just love that aspect of, of that. But where I found the, 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 the lack of the kind of disservice was that a lot of these freelancers, they, they never got the real support. You know, when you're a freelance, you don't work for a company. So you don't get that support like you would from a leader within the organization. They often just get sent a brief and they just have to write and they're often left in the dark. Um, So, you know, I worked for a couple agencies and Stretch actually started last year really organically. I had an old client reach out to me and say, hey, Chris, we need some content created. You used to work with us. You did a great job. And um, I was kind of my side hustle. I was working for a software company with a team out of Portland, Oregon. And slowly things became, you know, more clients came on and I went, wow, like I'm really loving what I'm doing. But when I created it, I wanted to go like typically how the agency world works is that clients get put first. You know, it's kind of typical business, right? Clients become your number one priority because clients drive revenue. And I wanted to kind of Hmm. flip that on its head and say, what if we put the freelancers, they're the number one priority. And not just mm. like paying them and treating them well, but what if we actually worked with them to help understand their story better? Because um, I'm also an executive coach, certified executive coach, me and my wife. And we wanted to start a business a while back about a coaching business. And coaching has become this very diluted industry where everybody can say they're a coach. And it's really tough to get into to be a coach. So with this, we went, what if we created our coaching aspect and put it into an agency model? to 
give personal professional development to freelancers, whether they're writers, designers, editors, and help them understand their own personal story better so that they can help articulate brand stories better and also have a better, deeper sense of empathy for the consumers that we're trying to connect with. So everything mm-hmm. around Stretch is the product isn't our content. The product is our people. And wow. we need to invest into our people because they're the ones who are making us shine, if that makes sense. No, that makes a, a, a lot of sense because it's a different model optimized around the creatives that are are under the Stretch creator brand and who actually are doing the work in service of the clients. Yeah, so that's that's kind of stretch. Like we, you know, I, I, we call it stretch because I, I always feel like we should be stretching ourselves. You know, we should be work. <laughs> we should be working on those stretches because those stretches are often what scares us the most. Mm. And if we can work through those, what happens next? You know, we mm. grow, and that's what we need. That's what we're about. Life. We're human beings. We need to. We're trying to grow to be better. And often, I think, even within working in corporate, even working in the military, and having this kind of diverse background. There's a real lack and emphasis on development of people. It's always mm-hmm. focused around, you need support, let's buy you tech. You need support, let's buy this. But the support isn't really about the output. It's about what's coming in, you know? And so if we actually mm-hmm. focus on that, those external barriers, and those is, those are just white noise. The biggest holdback mm-hmm. for anything in any company, I believe, is the internal barriers that their employees or contractors or freelancers hold. And especially in this world of COVID, we found this year is everyone is, I think, even more siloed than they've ever been. And it's lonely. It's scary. You know, there's a lot of these external circumstances that are way out of our control. And if we can't handle them emotionally, Mm -hmm. then everything breaks around you. And so that's really the core focus of it's a people driven company. And that's that's really the primary focus. Dude, that's so different. And shout out to Mr. Jesse, who's saying, wow, completely different approach to business and leading forward, man. So much love to, to you for that. Jesse's showing you mad love. Give me all kinds of high five. Thanks, man. Jesse. I appreciate that, my yeah. friend. <laughs> you know, so so for you, man, when you started at Stretch Creative, man, as an entrepreneur and founder, did you face any barriers? Were you, you know, like, were you scared out of your mind? Because, oh, man, man, I'm still scared you know, out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Walk us through what was going on through your mind when you were, you know, writing that business proposal and pitching uh, people on this, man. You know, it was, um, you know, I started off, I, I loaned myself 500 bucks off my credit card to incorporate wow. a business. And um, I wanted to bootstrap this the whole way because I just wanted to make sure that, you know, there's, there's a place for investment, uh, but I didn't want to have anybody outside that had, didn't have that same core belief. So for me, it was literally when I was working my full-time day job, I would wake up at 4 a.m. every day, work from 4 to 8 a.m. on stretch, and then I'd work after work, so from like 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., and it was because I really believed in what we were doing. For once, it felt like we were going to make a real difference in people, and that mm. difference would then lead to creating really great stories for, for our clients. But there was many moments, man, like I'm lucky I have a very supportive wife. She's we're both coaches and she's one that will call me out on my shit anytime, you know, and is and really have a conversation about it. We have this deep relationship about being able to be open about our emotions. And I think for me as an entrepreneur, because I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I never did it until this year, um, until I really got real with myself of like how I was feeling and being vulnerable to say like, 
putting your hand up and saying, man, I need help and not mm-hmm. feeling like I have to do it all on my own. It's amazing when you ask for help and the people you're working with, they all kind of come together and say, hey, we're part of the same mission. And so it was oh. never really about me. It was about the, the people around me and how can we all do this together? And the way I've seen leadership is kind of running it. I've seen it fail. I've seen other businesses that I've worked with where, especially in a founder and CEO mentality is that they kind of run point. They're the, the captain of the ship and they say what happens. And I didn't want to be that type of leader. I wanted to leverage the, the uh, insight and the knowledge of all the people around me and bring those forward and make this leadership of like, I'm no better than anybody else. I'm no more important. We all have the equal importance, but we all have a different role to play and we have to come together. And it's mm. kind of leading into how we create content is content is about not just a writer, not just an editor, but it's also collaboration with your client, collaboration wow. with co-creation. Uh, yeah, co-creation. So when you kind of approach it in that co-creation, there's days where I'm like scared out of my mind. But I, I say that to my, you know, to the people around me, like, hey, I'm, I'm feeling this. What are your thoughts? And so kind of leveraging them saying that, like, I'm not Superman, I'm not in, you know, like this guy who doesn't feel, (laughs) but we should be open to be able to say, like, I'm having a hard day, I need help. And so that's been my kind of approach of, um, we don't always have to put on this face. And that's really coming back from the military. It was like, you didn't talk about emotions, you just did it. And Hmm. it was really difficult for me. So when I went here, I I had to kind of like erase that I hired a coach, you know, really working on my own, because I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be a leader, I have to lead by example. So if we're going to expect people to work on themselves, I better, I better be doing that same thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, and that goes for every leader. I mean, even goes for me um, in our company, I'm always telling myself, I need to choose my own leadership. If I, if if I'm going to be able to lead for other people and and model what executive leadership should look like and share leadership should look like. Yeah. hundred percent. So it's, yes, it's scary, but it's, I think when you're scared, it's a, it's a good sign that you're going in the right direction. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, are there, have there been books um, that you have picked up in, in your journey that have helped you with storytelling as well as leadership, right? Because I believe both of them coincide in, in, in deep ways. You know, the, the one book I read recently, and I don't know who wrote it, but there's this, um, there's this me- method or a kind of mindset or approach in the African culture called Ubuntu. Oh yes, And so that has kind of been like the mentality of the organization of like what we do. You know, I've read a lot of books around, you know, leadership through school. Um, but I, I learned a lot from just kind of like others as well. And just like asking questions and mm-hmm. kind of like learning from them. Cause I think, there's not one set way of leadership. I think we all have to kind of live into our own leadership, but you mm. need to be willing to trust yourself that you're going to try something. It's going to fail. And so for me, it was just like kind of absorbing myself. I did a, I did a core, I partnered with an organization out of Menlo park um, called six seconds. And they were, they're were kind of like in the emotional intelligence space. And so for me, like e. I would hi- I'd rather hire someone who has a very high emotional intelligence than intelligence. So I think we can we can train on intelligence and some of that stuff. But it's that emotional component that if we're going to all be in it, we have to be comfortable with our own shit and be willing mm. to like understand that. So that's for me leadership all is surfaced around and based around emotional intelligence. Dude, uh, EQ is so important, man. I've worked in environments where 
people had no EQ, man. They were machines. All they yeah. did, was, all they cared about was getting the work done. Uh, very similar to your your experience um, um, in the in the in the forces. It's almost as if you know they they have no idea that it's people who are doing the work. And people, all, although we are you know highly capable beings, you know there is a certain emotional capacity we all have. And if you, we are not um, being inspired to do the work or if the work isn't fulfilling in a sense, then the culture is going to break. And, you know, those with EQ get that. Those without it, they don't get that at all. <laughs> yeah, and especially in a creative world, right? Because, you know, often creatives, they put their blood, sweat, and tears into something. And that's why I love mm-hmm. working with them because they create this, like, beautiful story, whether it's through, like, design, whether it's through words whether it's through video or cartoons, like there is this like real soul that goes into creative work. It's not like robotic where it's like sales where you're just hammering cold calls. And there's not a lot of soul often that goes into something like that, but creative there is. But with that on the flip side is when you put your soul into something. And if you don't have a high EQ or at least um, a self-awareness of that, Mm -hmm. if you get feedback and someone says, that's not what I was looking for. I can crush somebody because they just put their soul into it and we don't want our soul to get crushed. But if you work on that, what also happens is this collaboration gets enhanced, gets heightened because now you're like, okay, I see. And you're, you're starting to have more empathy from the other person's side of like, okay, I can see it from their side. I see where they're coming from versus like, wow, you just like, I put all those hours into that and that's not exactly what you want. And they take it personal. And it's never about being personal. It's about, again, if I'm going to take my military background, we have a mission at the end. We need to get to that mission and we need to understand how we can get there. And sometimes there's going to be moments of like these, um, you know, feedback or communication that if you're not willing or ready to take that, that also derails work as well. And then we come up with this very bland, not nice vanilla story and brands aren't built off vanilla stories. They're built off of soul and culture and, that's what we really try to like pull out of these people is like, why do you do what you do? Not like what, and not like why you like, but it's like, why is this important? And you look at brands like the Patagonias of the world and such people don't really buy into Patagonia. I mean, they do, they have great products, but it's not necessarily just what the products they are buying. They're buying into the story that Patagonia has created. And they, and Patagonia is a brand that really lives into that story. Hmm. And so we're trying to help brands that we work with, and we work with some pretty big brands first year. I'm not going to lie. Like we're working with a couple billion dollar brands that yeah. still haven't figured this out. And we're helping articulate it and really kind of bring it down from everything they do from like high level campaigns all the way down to their product page and heightening that story out around that product. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's some deep stuff. So if you're listening to this, your story matters. Leading with the why matters. You know, Chris, would you share some of the, you know, if it's if it's not too, uh, uh, if there's no NDAs involved, would you share some of the brands that you all are working with and really kind of transforming on what they're doing? Yeah, you know, like one of the, the big things we did last year, a big initiative is we worked with uh, WeWork. And, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, Former WeWorker here. <laughs> okay, cool. So, you know, with, with WeWork, they, I think WeWork's got a really great story and I think they've had some trouble, obviously with certain things. But what we really wanted to highlight for them is like each city that they belong to is a, is a different story. It's a different community. It's a different vibe. And it's, so we collaborated with their team to go, what makes that city great? And how does WeWork fit into that story? How do they fit into that city? It's not necessarily about putting WeWork on the pedestal of this is here and they're in this city, but you know, they fit into communities differently. And it's not necessarily the same story that they go from city to city because each city is different. You know, how they how they are in New York is completely different than necessarily how they are in, say, Seattle. But 
but they mm. still have their core, their core, but that story is a little bit different. So, you know, we work with folks like them. Uh, we worked with some, um, some of these aren't an NDA, but a couple really cool surf brands down in, uh, South, South Cal where, you know, they have a story, but they've also, some brands have neglected copy because they think cop, you know, copy is just copy. And so anybody can write it, but, you know, as we partner with them, we start to kind of pull out and we kind of interview their team and go like, why are you developing this product? Mm-hmm. And what makes this product great? Like, and I say like, you know, the, the upper soles and all these shoes that we create are great, but like, why did you create it? Like, what is it for the consumer? Why do they care? And so if we can bring that out and include those details, so we incorporate story and incorporate the what. So when you incorporate the what and the why, now the consumer can picture themselves that you're creating a deeper level of empathy of like, hey, these guys get me, or I'm, they're helping reassure them that they're making the right purchase versus trying to always sell, sell, sell. And so I think yeah. it creates a bigger connection to them. Man, Chris, we got Rudy showing you some love, man. He, he He's listening. He's tuned in. Tough, man. And by the way, as you were talking, I'm thinking, bro, this guy needs to have a Columbia or Stanford master course on storytelling <laughs> for the <laughs> entire tech industry. So Rudy, shout out to Rudy, Mr. Rudy Faraz, man. Rudy, thanks so much for tuning in, my brother. Chris, when's the best time to change to grow? What, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? I mean, if we're talking personally, I think change is every single day, you know, and growing is every single day. It's kind of like those you know, I think there's a few people have said it, but like that 1% each day, right? And it's mm. just like little things. And it it doesn't necessarily have to be, I think we often focus on business growth, which is super important. And the, our careers are a major component of what we do, but they're not who we are. Mm. Um, and so I think in terms of growth, it's looking at like, what areas are you trying to grow in? Because we, we, we are very dynamic creatures on this planet Earth. And so if we're looking at growth, like for me, I like right now, my growth is around like being a better stepfather, being a better husband, being a better uh, colleague, being just a better me um, in my community. And so if we can like really take the time to understand like what are those components, you can then understand where those opportunities for growth are. So I think if you're going to look at the best time, it's that time is when you've spent the pre-work of looking at who am I? Right. Mm. And not just what am I? And I think there's a lot of focus on what am I versus who am I? Yeah. So follow up question on this, Chris. And that was so well, well um, explained, man. Rudy asked, uh, this is a follow up to it. And I think the first question is actually still valid as well. <laughs> you answered his first question. But he also asked, when's the best time to change the story? Uh, whether it be for, for your brand, I think, because he's a, he's a business owner as well. Yeah. I mean, I think storytelling is almost on this path of like, you know, there's a lot of brands out there that are starting to do this, you know, because our main, fo- a lot of our focus is on e-commerce. And so I think when, when a lot of e-com is like create content and let it sit, it almost becomes this evergreen. Um, but if you look at some brands like Under Armour has done this for a few things where, you know, like Steph Curry is, um, he's obviously a sponsored athlete, but the, the story that they tell about his products, they're updating that like constantly, almost where it's like, it's updating based on how he's performing. So that story is evolving with the current times. And I think we're Mm -hmm. going to start to see this where storytelling and e-commerce is almost going to be like a social channel where it's like, Mm -hmm. it's updating and it's becoming more agile and more dynamic where traditionally it was like, just write a description of my product and just let it sit or write a Mm -hmm. blog post and let it sit. And it's story is something that continues to evolve with brands because brands continue to evolve. So you can't think of like, 
doing it once and letting it sit. Um, you know, the folks we work with, we look at it probably every season of like, when does the season change? What's the change within the organization? Has anything else changed in terms of like who you are as a culture mm -hmm. and how do we evolve that? Because the story isn't necessarily about what you tell your consumers. The story really starts for these brands inside. Wow. And that story is like, that has to be from like what they believe. Like when a brand goes out, like if you look at it, going back to the Patagonia, for instance, I had the opportunity to be down at Patagonia last year. And when you go to their head office, it is exactly what you feel because they have this culture and that's their story and their story comes out in what they do. And I, so I think brands mm -hmm. before they can figure out how do I tell this story externally, they have to understand is the story identified internally because it has mm -hmm. to be something that they eat, live and breathe. Man, that's powerful. So really, man, the, the story is always changing, you know, and you know, I think it's, it's more important that you define the virtues and the values and culture of what your mission is as a venture and be agile and how that story changes with your with your customers that's really powerful really, really powerful Chris. thank you so much for sharing man you know with that said Chris, you know what would be your powerful takeaway for anyone who's listening to this now or even later who wants to start something amazing you know it's 2021 start of the new year you know their new year is promising themselves that i want to build something this year you know how do you encourage them to go about it man what's the first thing that they should do i would say just try it you know, I, I, for me, like I didn't like again, going into stretch, I didn't have a path. I didn't have a plan. It just kind of happened. And I think I spent many years going, I want to start something. And I would spend all this time really kind of understanding a business plan and all this. But I think it, for me, it just took like just testing it and kind of mm -hmm. like being more present to the moment of like, what's going to make me happy. And then like test and see if there's a market for it. Right. And it's mm -hmm. just like, okay, wow, someone just bought this. Okay, I'm gonna try it again. But oh, someone else bought this. Like, there's a thing there. But it really, for me, it was it started off. I think of like, what is the purpose versus wow. what is what is my path to the profit? Because I think that's the new way of work. You're seeing all these companies that are coming up, and you're seeing old big brands starting to fall off because their purpose was profit, and purpose isn't necessarily. I think profit is a outcome of your purpose. And the purpose is about, I think it's deeper these days of just like, we want to sell a good product. It's like, what is, if someone were to think of your brand or think of your company or even you as a solopreneur, like, what is the purpose of you? Not just the service mm -hmm. or product you provide. And I think the more you can get clear on that, the outcome becomes success. The outcome becomes failure. And that failure is also something that you learn from and adapt. So it's, not just being afraid of it not working because if it doesn't work that means you've learned something and so if you've learned mm -hmm. something wow you just going back to kind of it was a rudy's question there of like how do you grow like you learn through failure often you learn those are the big yeah. growth moments and so it's being okay with doing something that doesn't go right because now you can adapt and so it's these small kind of inches each day and over the course of our year like i'm not gonna lie we've been around for about a year and we're already a seven-figure company and so these it's because of this like learn and adapt learn and adapt we don't know the way but the way is just coming with us we're kind of going i've often said this to uh to my coach and to my team is that we're going with flow and sometimes with flow you know you're gonna have to like look at things that are pathing but if you think you have a direct path and that you have one way i feel like you're swimming upstream most of the time and that is one really challenging because it's super exhausting both physically and mentally and that chance for just burning out and quitting 
which happens for so many folks that start stuff is, is very more light is highly more likely that's going to happen. Wow. That's so true, man. Iteration. It all happens through iteration, man. Wow. So powerful. Chris, man, thanks so much for joining us this episode. Dude, it was man. fun, man. You know, we're going to plug all of your links to stretch creative as well as your LinkedIn in the comments. You know, I want to shout out to our homie Rudy, who's been tuning in all day um, for this episode. Failure is a tool for future growth. Solid I love age. that, Rudy. Love it, man. Thanks, Rudy, for tuning in. Chris, man, can we please have you on soon in the future, hopefully in 2021 after you write that book? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. You uh, just let me know anytime, Tim. I'm a big believer of what you're doing and a big fan. And anytime I can uh, join you again, I'd be more than happy to. Thanks so much, Rudy. Thanks for joining us, man. Talk soon, brother. All right. Peace. Thank you. And that was the amazing Chris Reed, man, who is showing us mad love and shout out to rudy and shout out to jesse shout out to dorian shout out to tiffany and all who are tuning in and listening to this first half of our back to season two episode we're gonna have another episode later on today with a lovely young woman who you all are going to be super interested in learning more about and what she's building she is an amazing amazing woman building an amazing tea brand that is changing the world and guess what she actually makes the tea herself super authentic with that said check out rudy i'm sorry check well definitely check out rudy but check out chris and all of the amazing things that he's doing with stretch creative their website is stretchcreative.co i'm going to put it in the comments for those of you who are interested right now and also make sure you check out his linkedin page he's pretty active on linkedin with a following uh, a humongous following of 14k people who are following his movement and what he does and what he believes in with that said i am going to Get you all on out with some George Michael, Careless Whisper. And uh, shout out to, once again, John and Rob from the Suicidation Experience podcast for showing us love with this BBT playlist. If you have not gotten Big Black Tea, go get BigBlackTea.com. We have sold out our first batch, and we are restocking right now with our second batch for this new year. BigBlackTea.com. And make sure you also sign up for GuideApp.co, our amazing wait list. This year is going to be the year we expand to public beta and, you know, our movement continues to grow every day because every day is day one. With that said, y'all, check out this slow, not not slow, careless whisper by George Michael.